Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the world's greatest podcast. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Woo! It's good to be back. Jim's finally back at his own house. It's lovely to see that there'll be no ice cream van today. As is Stan, as is Stan. Yeah, yeah, I'm back as well. Don't worry. No ice cream vans around here. (laughs) All right. Difference with Stan's is that's a shithole and the one before was a shithole, so I got a bit confused. (laughs) (laughs) Now we buy our own ice cream properly from supermarkets around here, like cart door only. But sticking with shitholes, fans were allowed back in at Anfield, weren't they, Stan? (laughs) Yeah, they were. Yeah, you were. No comment, no comment on the shit old part, but no, yeah, they were, and I do think it made a bit of a difference, uh, if I'm honest. Although it did take me a little while to realise they were there, and that's not a dig at you know the support. It's more because where they placed them, they didn't actually have any opposite the camera. Um, but no, I do think it made a bit of a difference. It's good just to have I mean, Chelsea Spurs, uh, not Chelsea, Arsenal Spurs had fans, uh, West Ham versus United had fans. So it was just good to have fans in there and not rely on. The stupid fan, you know, sounds being 20 seconds too late when a shot hits the side net in and you hear a cheer. So, yeah. What did you think, Jim? Did you enjoy having fans back in the uh, in the stadiums or stadiums? Um, well, being a, being a non-City fan, um, I've not experienced my own fans back yet. So, I've not had that, that goosebump moment that Klopp was on about on the weekend. Um, but, yeah, I guess it's just one step closer to normality. Um, and I bet the... Arsenal fans wish they could turn the crowd noise off, but they realised it was actually normal fans and they didn't have that pleasure on the weekend when they was losing. Um, but yeah, good, good to see them back. And Liverpool, they played well, didn't they? In front of the fans, they give them a result that probably not many would have seen coming, which is weird to say because um, Wolves are a strong opponent. But Liverpool blew away, didn't they, Cook? Yeah, Liverpool. Obviously, we talk about that they've got the injuries. This was the, I think it was a quarter past seven on Sunday, this one. But you can just tell that Wolves miss Jimenez, I think, so much. Obviously, he's, let's say, 15, 20 goals a season in all competitions. And they've just got no one that can fill the boots. They had Podence playing that false nine role yesterday. And obviously, he's not a striker. He's five foot fuck all. But I just think Wolves really miss Jimenez. But take nothing away from Liverpool. They blew him out of the water. Water? Water. They blew them out of the water. But uh, they blew him out of the water yesterday, yeah. They did, yeah. I think the scoreline flatters him a little bit in the, in the first half. I actually didn't think there was a lot between them at all. Um, like you say, they pretty much played three wingers in the front three and you could tell they did get behind Nico Williams quite a lot. He was booked early on as well. Um, but when they looked in the box, he didn't have anybody in there. Um, and, you know, at most they had a five-foot-five Daniel Podence or maybe Dendonka or Ruben Neves arriving late. So it was quite even until Conor Cody decided to uh, chest one down perfectly for Mo Salah and then uh, Liverpool went in ahead in the second half. Like you say, they just blew them out of the water. And He didn't have a great game, did he, Cody? And I mean, I, I bet none of us could have fucking predicted that, could we? Jesus <laughs> Christ. Was it a fault for both? The, probably a fault for both the first two goals and then in between that, did the embarrassing dive... Yeah, he did. Yeah, he didn't. Obviously, the first one, chest it down for salary. He didn't close one, held him down at all, and he just curled it round him. And yeah, like you say, the dive, which was shocking. I don't know how he got away without a booking, but but I mean, not to slate VAR because we do it every week, but how that even went to the screen, and you know, you'll have to have a look at this. I'm not sure. You'll have to double check. I think uh, is crazy because you could, you could see him. You no, know, he pulled out of the tackle quite clearly, and like you say, Cody. 
Cody Dawes, so not the best for him, but I'm sure he'll be happy when uh, he signs for Liverpool in January to sort out the centre-back problem and he's challenging for a title. Oh, he, he don't Big seem to points. even have one. <laughs> they've got a makeshift um, defence, but they're doing fine, really. I mean, they've come back into the contention, haven't they? What, are they third now or something? I don't know. Yeah, fifth, they're up, maybe. They're up there. They're up there. It's like City, they kind of creep their way back into the contention. Second actually, they are. Second. Oh, really? Yes. Spurs, Pool, Chelsea. Yeah. Um, but yeah, have you seen the? I've seen a clip on Twitter today about the fourth goal. Liverpool keep the ball for three minutes. Yeah. Like three, four minutes. That Wolves, and Wolves don't even get close to him. And then Semedo puts in his own net. And if he didn't, Mane was there anyway. Yeah. yeah it was, it was... I'm glad. Sorry, Stan. I was just going to say, I'm glad he put that one in for my fantasy football, Semedo. Really twisting the knife as it went in there. <laughs> him and Ed's fractured skull. Semedo just really wanted that own goal as he twisted the knife in there. Was, like, was I wasn't sure. already dead and buried. It's a great, great welcome back for Trent as well. Although about 90 seconds before that, he did. Um, completely miss a header against Endon crew should have done better really uh, classic Trent did that awful header didn't challenge him at all and then went up the other end and put an inch perfect pass onto Mane's foot who uh, you know like you say Semedo fold it in but it's like that with Liverpool I've, I said it the other week where you know once when teams are on top I remember when United were on top we could be missing a couple of key players and you know you're thinking oh you know this person's stepping in he's stepping in he's, he's younger he's not played too much but you know there's such a culture at the club and they're playing with such confidence that, you know, you can step in. And I think, well, definitely Liverpool are the record for, um, you know, the, the record without losing at home. And, and a lot of teams are turning up to Anfield feeling already beaten, definitely. Because you look at that side yesterday and it's not, it's obviously it's got the front three, but you've got Curtis Jones in there. You've got Fabinho and Matip, Nico Williams and that yeah. Kelleher yeah. in net they are still missing key players and they still win 4-0 I thought yeah, I've seen I've seen that um, Genie Wijnaldum started 11 consecutive games for club and country yeah. and that's just like that is very impressive considering the times we're in and the rest days that players aren't getting and he scored a perler for the second goal yeah. great finish um, I mean he was probably really because he was on about leaving to to Barca when he was pretty pretty much on the verge of going to Barca this summer and if they'd lost him, then who, who realistically would they have played there um, over the past few weeks? Because he's been key to them with Henderson missing and Kater missing and the rest yeah. of them. His contract's up next summer, isn't it? I think Liverpool have got a three-year, 120 grand a week contract on the table and, and one Alden wants four, but he is, I think, around 30. So we'll see what happens with that one. But like you say, he's been key to them in the last few weeks. So I bet they're happy he stayed. Yeah, uh, to Stamford Bridge now. Um, another team rolling well is Chelsea. Um, they beat Leeds 3 1. The return of the fans also, the, the bridge, we forgot to mention that one. Um, the Saturday night kickoff, the eight games unbeaten. Did I just say that? I don't even know. I think I got short term memory loss. Yeah. <laughs> but, but anyway, yeah, Giroud coming off the back of um, a four goal haul midweek, scoring again. Um, Cook, what did you make of his performance and Chelsea's performance? Olivier Giroud, as per the man leading the line, 16 goals in his last 16 starts for Chelsea. It's just, we can't let him go. We can't. Because even though 
it's a long season and he, obviously you fill your squad. He, he's been so good for us, even the short term. Last year, he was the main linchpin of us getting top four when Abraham was injured. He really put us on his back, so to speak. And it seemed like he's doing the exact same thing this year. Almost a bit disrespected, you'd say, by the, the wider footballing audience or the casuals, just because he's seen as a big lump. But I think everyone who knows football and everyone who listens to this podcast knows how Gucci Olivier Giroud is. <laughs> yeah. No, I like Giroud a lot. Um, I've said a few times that I think he will end up being in Chelsea's uh, best eleven this season. Um, I mean, he got into your eleven at the end of last season, didn't he? And obviously you've signed Werner and he's kind of been shoved out again. I don't think he's done anything wrong at all. And he's come back in and he's, you know, carried on from where he left off. Like you say, 16 in in 16 games. I just think he's such a good focal point. I mean, Aiden, Aiden Hazard said that he is the best link-up striker in the world. And, and you're right, he is very, very underrated, perhaps even by his own manager. Um, but I think the way that the, the players that Chelsea have, I think they need somebody to play off. The, the Havertz, ZH, Mount, uh, Werner, um, you know, everybody else. Uh, Polisic, who I thought, you know, played well um, that game. Um, they, they need somebody who they can feed off and feed it into. And I think that you lack that when you play Werner through the middle. And I don't think Abraham is anywhere near as good as, uh, as Giroud at doing it. So. Yeah, he, he missed a few chances, didn't he, Abraham? Um... Was it this game and it was maybe the last game too where he should have done better, especially in the West, is it the West Brom you played last week? Newcastle. Uh, New, Newcastle, sorry, that was it. Yeah. And you missed same same colored kit, you know. Yeah, no, um, we'll let you off for that with Jim. We'll let you thanks. off. Thanks. Um, but yeah, he, he missed a few chances there, but which you would have thought Drew would have put away. And he's put away, what, five goals in the last two games. And he always does really well with the limited chances he's got, especially at Chelsea. I'd love to see his record uh, minutes per goal. I bet yeah. he's quite good. Um, and he's another, he's another player, which is a theme of this podcast, it seems. That contract runs out in the summer, next next summer. Because he extended it for this year, didn't he? So, yeah. Where with Chelsea, we'll try and get him to sign another one or cash in in January. Will be I interesting can, to see. I can honestly see. Obviously, uh, Lampard's come out and said that his mentality has never been a problem. He's always one of the best trainers, even when he's not been playing, urging like Tammy and Werner on, which is what you want to see. You want to see that that mentality that he's not just sulking and it's a prime example of anyone if it's not falling your way just keep working hard and do what you can with your limited opportunities and like Stan said he's the focal point that we've we've been missing at the moment and I, I would love him to sign a, a new contract even even if it's 18 months for Giroud he'll be 35 I think then but he's due a big tournament in the summer obviously with France and he's still operating at a, a seriously good level like Stan said limited game time as well so I'd be more than happy to, to keep Olivier Giroud and I'd really be gutted if we lost him because who do you replace him with who gives you what he gives you yeah Stan I'm going to put you on the spot I'm sorry for in advance but okay. um, Giroud's obviously not getting that game time at Chelsea he probably wants so another team in January could very realistically offer him a better package um, and more playing time who could you see in England we'll, we'll stick to England because I can see him going abroad to be fair but who would you say in the Premier League should be looking at a Giroud in January it's a very good question um, it's a tough one isn't it really I mean if you look at the teams around Chelsea that you think Giroud would be interested in there's not really any maybe Wolves with Jimenez going out I think Wolves could do worse than picking up Giroud um, on, on you know a sort of Maybe a pre-contract, so like 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 you say, they could pick him up on a on a cheap fee with six months left. But Giroud, um, 
he had around this time last year actually he wasn't playing at all and he was linked with a move to us in the January of last season and um, I was buzzing with that there was a lot of United fans who weren't which again goes back to Cook saying he's a little disrespected in the game uh, and he didn't end up leaving so I don't really expect him to leave this January I think it's very similar situations and I think that Abraham and maybe Werner centrally. I think Werner will play anyway, but definitely Abraham will struggle to get back into that side. I think whilst Olivier is fit, because he can pull that team together so well, like I say, with all the bits and pieces around him, I think he's such a good person to play off and he just will end up finding himself into that Chelsea eleven. But he did say he was tired after the game uh, against a Leeds side that is incredibly energetic. Uh, I don't actually think Leeds played too badly. So, you know, credit to Chelsea for... Turning that game around, I thought Leeds started off the better side. They were all over Chelsea. Uh, lovely pass from Calvin Phillips into Bamford, who I assume really enjoyed that goal. Um, and Chelsea, you know, they kept the Reds, they kept going, and, and eventually they, you know, they got the chances and they scored despite Werner trying his best to stop them scoring. The equaliser. Oh, yeah. um, no, they, they, they came good in the end, but um, really good result against the Leeds side, who I thought didn't do much wrong in this game. Yeah, I thought I thought Leeds were good value for money. It was literally like a basketball game in the first half, end to end. And Mason Mount said at half time, they come in and Lampard just said, "Stop pressing because it's almost like we're having a like a heavyweight boxing match with these press for press. Let them have a little bit more of the ball, and then the counter attacking space won't be there." But but Jim, obviously, Christian Pulisic came on, obviously for the injured Hakim Ziyech, even with the size of the squad. Can they go for the title? Because Spurs, City and Liverpool all still names in that hat. But Jurgen Klopp actually tipped Chelsea for the title this week, saying that they have the biggest and best squad and and also was implying that his wasn't anywhere near ours, which is completely bollocks, you fucking idiot. Yes, just, just down there, you bit, bit amused. Always men left out of that list. It's all right, don't worry. <laughs> no. United uh, fucking shit. Island City are out, it's fine, don't worry. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> title, yeah, definitely title contenders. Um, I don't think the team... It's a weird season because, realistically, the team that's going to win the t- title this year isn't going to be as strong as it was last three years. So, you've kind of got to lower your expe- expectations. So, Chelsea are definitely in there. I think what's important for Chelsea is that, and I think what they, they've done quite well recently, um, they played Spurs and United, two very forgettable, boring nil-nils. But it's something I didn't think that Chelsea team was capable of, and that's shutting down a game. I mean, you need more than nil-nils because you need to beat them teams around you if you're going to win the title. But the fact that they can shut down and not concede and be quite actually quite impressive defensively... Um, and maybe that's what they did in the second half against Leeds because they thought this could be a 4-3 to anybody or a 3-all. You've, you've got to be solid at first at the back to win a title. And they've already got that talent up front. So definitely, yeah. They have, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, they've made they've made quite a few changes to the back five from, from last season. James is playing a lot more than Aspie. Obviously, Chilwell brought in, Thiago Silva brought in and Zuma and Mendy brought in. Goals. So it's only really Zuma from that record breaking in a bad way. Um last season where they conceded the most ever or joint most ever yeah. or whatever. So he's pretty much switched out for that back five. So reaping the rewards definitely at the moment. But as for title contenders, it's like you say, it's mad. It's not going to be in the 90s who wins it this season. It's probably going to be in the 80s and there'll be injuries, there'll be COVID, there'll be all sorts along the way. And it will just come down to who can get the most consistent run when it comes to the business end of the season. So 
Chelsea are doing themselves justice at the moment, um, but it is very tight up there at the top. So we'll see. Yeah, and, and just and just think about that. Them saying about um, the Chelsea games against United and Spurs, and I think I won't be surprised if the team that wins the title this year, and it probably is most years to be fair, which this might sound stupid, but <laughs> is the team when they join they do the top six tables, the head to heads. Yeah. I, yeah. you'd, I think you have to do well in that to win the title this yeah. year because the six-pointers, like they haven't been in the past three years, six-pointers, even though City, United City, Chelsea has been a massive game, for example, in the last two or three years. They haven't been six-pointers because it's been a tight race between two sides. So even more now, they're bigger games and Chelsea are doing well to not lose them. Um, but I'm sure Frank would like to see him win one. And the side that has been winning them, we questioned whether Spurs were title contenders and they've just kept three clean sheets against City, Chelsea and Arsenal. And I don't think, even though we're all impressed by Mourinho's defensive work, we didn't think that Spurs side that capitulated against West Ham would have done that. Um, are they are they title contenders? It's the same question, but are they seriously now title contenders? I think it's I think it's the same answer. For Chelsea, yeah. I think it's a little bit too early. Uh, I think there's going to be ups and downs, twists and turns. Um, Kane and Son tend to get a couple of months out, so that will be massive for them um, because they rely so heavily on them, which is fine, you know, because of their players. I mean, stupid argument is when you say, oh, they're good, but they rely too heavily on the star men. I mean, what teams don't, but uh, yeah, just typical Jose this game, um, doing really well. Um it was a boring game though I mean I think both of the XGs were actually under one and there was two moments of brilliance um, from Kane and Son who I've just mentioned but I think Jose finished the game with a back four well four centre-backs and two full-backs and the wingers tucked in so yeah it was it was it was a classic Jose game and I just know that they've had in the last two second halves the second half against Chelsea the second half against Arsenal they've had an XG of zero and in those two seconds half across both of them, they've had one shot and it was off target. So, <laughs> I believe they had 29. Sorry, Jim. Well, the winning? Yeah, I, I believe they had 29% possession or something like that. I was just looking at it here, though. They had 23% in the second half against Arsenal and one shot and it was off target. Yeah, 31% possession it was. Arsenal 69%. Yeah, Kane Kane made more touches in his own box than he did in Arsenal's box in the 90 minutes and like I say it was two moments of brilliance but I just don't think that's sustainable and as a fan um, I mean Spurs fans obviously they're hungry for trophies but I think if he was at a club that had won trophies I don't actually think we'd stand for it for too long Yeah, because um, I mean you look at that they attacked Arsenal twice and they scored twice and you come out in the second half and you have a shot and it was off target he could have yeah. embarrassed Arsenal yesterday I thought because Arsenal no, couldn't they could have couldn't deal whenever Spurs attacked at all. They looked vulnerable every single time. But Jose is not... He never was at United and, and Cook will agree. You know, if you go 2-0 up at half-time, you can pretty much... It's, it's going to be 2-0, pretty much. You may as well stick yeah. on. Um, it's a guy who you don't want to be 1-0 down to, let alone 2-0 down. Yeah. You don't want to be 1-0 down to this guy. Yeah, but but equally, Mourinho, you don't, you don't want to... If you're sporting a Mourinho side, you don't want to concede an early goal. <laughs> because you chase the game... Goals. Yeah, I mean, he brings it back to an argument. I remember when he was United manager and there's a few derbies where I don't know how many he won. I don't think it was too many, but he might have got a few draws in there and there was a few games where it was like Mourinho masterclass. I think he beat us 1-0 once um, when he was manager and I remember people saying, oh, he's such a good defensive performance. But in them games, 
uh, and City were the top team in that in that season. I think we missed about three one and ones, like three really good chances. And I always there was an argument with was it good defending or did City just miss chances? And I still stand by that. You don't win a title playing like Mourinho does. Even I know he's won titles, but he still attacked when he played when he was Chelsea manager. Um, because you get counting on teams to miss chances, even when they beat us two 0 the other week, we had we had a penalty which was like just touched somebody's arm, like just, and then one or it hit Jesus and it was going in bottom corner. Like if them early goals go in, Mourinho's game yeah. plans out the window, and realistically, Arsenal aren't title contenders. They're a, they're a big six, but it won't be long until we drop it down to big five. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's not sustainable, like you say, and if if Spurs. Um, if they drop behind and they have to come come out of the team, and you know it remains to be seen really how good they are at doing that because they tend to you know get the the first goal in, in most games, which is which is good for them. So yeah, um, yeah, just just typical Jose. I don't it's, it's Arsenal got Mourinho totally. I thought Arteta. I mean, they're sat fifteenth now. Um, still not heard anything really about Mikel Arteta. No, no. Um, there's, there's a funny there's a funny Fred trying to guess which game week Arsenal are going to go into the bottom three <laughs> and he's in about four weeks <laughs> I've got some decent quite hard pictures coming up I was just going to say I don't think he's he must be the best man manager because it, they, they don't even look motivated at the moment Arsenal like none, none of them look like they can be arsed he, he doesn't know his best 11 he's fucking around with academy kids not in that way with playing them, <laughs> but he's uh, he's he's messing around with Eddie and Ketia, who I don't think is nearly good enough for the Premier League. Joe Willock's questionable. The the whole Arsenal academy, you could you could literally count on one finger any of them that's any good, and it's Bakayo Saka. Yeah, I think what's happening with Arsenal personally is he showed that defence up, which you, you've got to come in and make it a bit better, and he has done this season. But it's just took so much out of their attack, and his main men are letting him down, whether it be. Alba. Ertzil not even playing on the pitch or anything or Abemiang Abemiang's been awful since he signed the contract Lacazette honestly has he been awful since he got there Pepe William yeah, yeah. this season hasn't had a good season so I mean if all his best players are having these kind of seasons and it's just hard and they're all attacking players and that's why they're not scoring goals I just don't know what they're trying to do though because they've gone from the back five where they sit and then they played a back four yesterday and tried to well, ended up controlling the game. I think Jose just completely, you know, surrendered to possession to Arsenal because they knew that they weren't going to do anything with it. They had such an issue with creativity. And like you say, the goals have completely dried up. We've said it before. The only reason Arsenal have done so well is because Aubameyang's somehow been scoring 20 odd goals a season for the yeah. last two or three years. And it's, it's just stopped. I think in the last seven league games, I think Arsenal have lost five, drawn one and won one. Uh, no guesses for who they beat. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just not good enough. But again, you're not hearing anything about Arteta, and it's just infuriating when, you know, whenever you know United United lose or draw, it's a fucking crisis all the time. Um, last seven games, they've lost five. Fifteenth yeah. in think, the league. Are think, Arsenal going to panic and hit the eject button? I, d- I don't know. Um, it wouldn't really, really wouldn't surprise me if they did get Freddie Youngberg back in. <laughs> I think the problem in, in the actual team is that when you look at it and you have that back three and then you put four across the middle and it's it's usually Bellerin, Thomas Partey, El Nene or Xhaka and then Bukayo Saka. Like none of them link defence or attack. Like none of them. But Saka's a great player but I mean when he gets the ball he's looking at Tierney to overlap and that's not Tierney's game to me. He just 
He's he's like one of the worst crosses I've seen in a while. He does it even more. He's a very yeah. defensive fullback. Too. Yeah, he's, that's forward, what I mean. He's yeah. very solid, no, but he's yeah, using right. wrong. No, exactly. Um, it's systemically, it's just not working for him. Change yeah. the system. And just finally on this game, me and Stan have our opinions, and I, I have to bring it up. Um, I want to say, I know what you make of it, Cook. Um, I'm sure you've seen the clip of Kane backing into Gabriel. Yeah. And <clears throat> the ones he's done on Cresswell and Alana, and he's done on Fernandinho too. Um, I wonder what you make of it, and is it a more serious offence because they've not even had free kicks from them fouls? In fact, he got a penalty from one of them. I just think that one, it's calculated. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he's he, he is using his body to play for fouls. But really, I, th- I think it is dangerous in a in a way because. Either it's it's dangerous, someone's going to get hurt of him just doing that, or someone's going to, like you said then, he's already won a penalty doing it. So I don't really agree with it. And I know people are acting like it's a thing thing where they're they're saying that it's a Harry Kane thing. And I know Kyle was trying to say on Twitter before that other players do it, but I, I, I don't think it's right. And I think, I think someone needs to have a look at it really. Refs definitely need to have a look at it because he's doing it every week and it's, it's a, it's kind of diving, but not. Gary, um, Jamie Carragher called him the most streetwise player in the Premier League. And in being the player he is an England captain, I think personally, he gets away with a lot of stuff that other players wouldn't do. If that was, Diego Costa, for example, quite similar builds. Um, Diego Costa would get hounded in the press for that. Um, because you, you, he's all three occasions, you've probably seen the clip on Twitter, what I'm on about. He looks at the defender first and he just goes into where they're landing and just kind of ducks down. And I've seen a clip today in, I think it was the Korean League or the Chinese League. So a similar occasion, but the player actually wasn't doing as bad as Kane was because it wasn't deliberate. And the player broke his neck because you're out of control. And I mean, mm-hmm. I just think they're waiting for something really bad to happen before yeah, they even think about doing anything for it. We saw that with the way that Gabriel fell straight on his back. Kane knows exactly what he's doing. He's trying to cheat and win a free kick whilst you know being fully aware that he's going to affect the landing of, of the other player. Um, it's an illegal move in basketball. And more to the point, it's an illegal move in fucking rugby. Now, if it, how can it be illegal in rugby where the whole point of the game is to fucking smash into people and you can get away with it in football like you say maybe it's because of who he is maybe it's because of how sneakily he does it Mr. Streetwise but he keeps doing it and that, that's that's the thing you might the other players might do it but you know you can fuck up you can jump into somebody with a two-footed challenge the odd time but if a player starts doing that every week then they should be punished and Kane is doing it every week and it's dangerous yeah, well, there's a, there's a referees association, and they actually tweeted saying that, like with anything in football, like a Ronaldo celebration or Mbappe's pair of boots, they'll start copying it, and they'll copy it to a point where, in some league, you're not going to be able to deal with a big neck injury like they would be in the Premier League, because yeah, the the thing you worry about when your player goes down injured is how they've landed, and ultimately Kane's making sure deliberately. He's not playing the ball. He's making sure that the defender lands funny. Yeah, well, that, that's it. I mean, will it take somebody to break the net before they start taking it seriously? Like, you know, it took Raul Jimenez to fracture his skull before they start talking about concussion properly. So, well, be, uh, Stan, be proactive instead of reactive. 
Yeah, it took Arteta and Hudson Odoi getting coronavirus before they called off any games, Dan. So I think we know if they're proactive and not reactive, Very don't you, mate? Very true. Very but true. sticking in London, moving from north to east, Manchester United, like I said they would last week, Stan, for the bet of the week, at even money, shock, our bet of the week won. But Man United, I said they'd have no problem beating these, and they didn't. Well, they did and they didn't. Did. <laughs> um, definitely a game of two hours, uh, less so than the Southampton game where I thought in the first half we were actually unlucky to be losing uh, we had created chances and just conceded off two avoidable set pieces but this week we were absolutely awful West Ham battered us we were lucky not to be going in two or three goals down uh, and then obviously the cavalry arrives in Bruno and Rashford and the game totally changed um, I don't think West Ham reacted quick enough, to be honest, because if you're 1-0 up, you see Bruno and Rashford coming on, you think, right, let's drop 10 yards further back and say, well, we'll defend our lead. And he just carried on exactly the same. Left so many gaps, um, so many gaps for United to exploit. And, you know, exploit it, we did. We could have scored five in that second half. Um, Yeah, just typical, well, I would say typical inconsistent United, but that's the ninth away win in a row, which is a club record. And we currently have the best winning streak out of any team in the Premier League with four wins in a row. So inconsistent in some ways and, uh, you know, consistent in the other where we tend to, you know, foot the first half off and go a couple of goals down and then uh, go and win it in the second just because, you know, we fancy doing that. Yeah, but. United you know, you got in behind quite a few times after already they did gone 2 one up or maybe it's one all, uh, missed a few chances. But it took a bizarre goal, but a brilliant goal by Pogba. Cook, was you just as bemused by David Moyes at the ball going out or not going out and the VAR angle that they showed us was just mental wasn't it yeah I mean the the person doing the VAR definitely has a Alex Ferguson back piece tattoo and <laughs> don't we all the, and the linesman must have uh, an arse sleeve of Man United crest because he wasn't even looking at the, at the ball he was looking yeah, across that, the that line so for what for one, I can't, I can't believe it was even given for a start. The angles were just ridiculous, and the linesman's not doing his basic job, which he gets paid thousands of pounds for per week to literally look if the ball stays in or goes out. It's literally on his yeah. side. So still, yeah, I just can't help but find it funny though that the still yeah. picture of of Moyes just pointing up in the air at the ball, pretty much over his head. But then you say he, he shouldn't have got given. But then when I was watching it, I was thinking. They can't not give this. No, they can't. Like they showed, he, you can't even obvious, tell. But I mean, I don't, I don't get how a system like VAR doesn't have all the angles. How no, does it not have an overhead view, view? That's it. That's not VAR's fault for me. If they're not provided with the right resources and the right angles to make decisions, and like Cook said, it wasn't a clear and obvious error because you couldn't see from the angle that, yeah, that's that's out. So like Jim, like you said, Jim, watching that, I was like, they're not going to cancel this off because you just can't tell I mean, Neville said you could tell from where the ball landed that it had curved out and come back in, and I think everybody knew that. But yeah, there's no there's way, no, could, there's no way, no way he kicked it straight, is there? It's just, it's just not possible, no, but just, like, just, like you say, didn't have no the grounds to disallow it. Yeah, and it was a brilliant goal. Um, I mean, Mason Greenwood scored a, a brilliant goal as well, Van Persie-esque. Um, great movement, lovely first touch, and you know, on the half volley into the far corner, and uh, after that, I think we scored those two goals within about three minutes of each other. And uh, after that, there was never going to be anything but, but a United win, thankfully, before the I big know. game. Uh, I was, midweek. I was, and I was, making, 
I was making a lovely mac and cheese, just went into the kitchen and Pogbrid scored and then I thought, all right, I'm going to make a drink now and then fucking Greenwood has scored. Both great goals. And that is Nick himself. <laughs> and on Pogba, Stan, I mean, he's been a man <laughs> of many storylines while he's been at United for his second stint. Um, Raiola again, a bit big for his boots after what, it was a great goal, but I mean, I mean, just calm down a bit, just saying that. He, yeah. What did he say? He won't be a part of United next season or yeah. anymore. He's not Pretty part of it. Yeah, he confirmed that it's over for Pogba at United. Yeah. Oh no, what will, what will they ever do? What will they ever do? Like you say, many a storyline and, and probably zero of them actually worth it, to be honest. Um, had a few good games for us. I wouldn't put him in the flop category of, you know, the Sanchez, the Di Maria. Um, but he definitely hasn't been a success at United. Uh, he was failed a little bit, maybe sold a dream with with the way that we were going. And we have had a few dud signings whilst he was at United. But I don't feel sorry for him at all. Uh, not handling himself properly. Some of the comments he's been making, his brothers make, his agent makes, who I just pray to God that United don't ever get another client of his after this. Um, yeah, I'll... I'll I'll be happy to see him go. It's it's rare that I actually turn on a United player, um, but it has happened with Pogba. I just, um, you know, me and Paul go way back. We've got pictures in Lee <laughs> together, you no know, couple. So um, I have always been a fan of his, and I, you know, I'll continue to be a fan of his. Um, I don't hate him, but it's just not worked, and it is really, it's just time to finish it. And United need to build a midfield around Van der Beek and, and Bruno. Go and yeah, sign Jim. the number six. Go and sign the number six that you know we need, and, and you know carry on without Pogba because it's always a conversation of how does he fit, where does he fit and, you know, ultimately <laughs> we won't have that conversation anymore because he won't be at the club which is good for him and good for United so let's move on. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a case of a square peg in a round hole, Stan. I mean, you, you say Pogba ain't a flop but I'm, I'm definitely saying he's a flop. Eight, 80 million quid, not done nearly a, j- a job for Man United. They've almost he's almost sorry reciprocated the faith they've put in him by their backing around him because I think when he goes to play with France it's a breath of fresh air and I really enjoy watching Paul Pogba because he's an expressive player obviously he's got world-class pedigree won the world cup but like I said before square peg round hole and I just think it's it's best that they almost cut the losses on him really because I'm not sure how much of his contracts he's got left Jim but what what kind of fee do you even ask for Paul Pogba these days? What's a fair fee? He's got eighteen months left. Eighteen months on his left. Paul Pogba. Let me just do the maths. Go on, go to your mind palace. Fifty-five million euros. Yeah, not even pounds. And <laughs> we don't deal in pounds. What about a packet of obnobs as well? Will that sweeten the deal? Only the chocolate ones because, like, obviously, exactly. Come on, we don't touch so, kids at this podcast. It's only uh, <laughs> not that that needed that to be there. Just, just in Keep case. Um, well, it's just in case oh. anybody thought we bought the non-chocolate obnobs. I was just putting that right out there. Nobody in the, oh, on this Zoom call does. Yeah. I hope. <laughs> There's only only a few clubs that could afford him. Uh, PSG, Juve and Madrid. And, and Raiola has come out saying that it's time to end it in the next transfer window. So it could be a huge January signing for whoever potentially if he can get something out of him I think United would probably I know last summer United were saying 100 million I think they'd probably accept in the region of 50-60 like Jim said uh, and whoever gets him it's probably worth a gamble he's 27 I think um, and like Cook says great um, 
I agree with, with Carragher, to be honest. I wouldn't call him a great player. I'd say he's a great talent. He probably doesn't have a weakness. Um, and if you can get him going, you've got one hell of a player, but it's just never really worked. He's, it's been in um, you know fits and starts at United. He has He's had a few good games and then followed by one good game. He has three bad ones and... Uh, yeah, it's just never really worked. So. He's going back we, Italy, isn't he? Let's face it. He's going back yeah. Italy. I think he's going Juve, personally. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if he Juve. went to... It wouldn't surprise me if he went to Juve, but um, it's whether Juve can pay this the £60 million up front. Um, might yeah, have to be a player involved. A money from I know. It's not a free transfer one. This one, Juve, you bloody scrubbers. You're going to have to you actually just, pay for something. Well, you've just got to have the right players player. to find the money. That's what you could, could do a player swap. I'd set that Portuguese forward they've got. Wait, no don't, wait, isn't he already on loan from you, man? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, listeners. I know, like we said earlier, we had a winner last week. The money keeps on coming because I've got another better the week winner for you right here. So listen up. So, first of all, I've got Wolves to be Aston Villa. Chelsea to be Everton, both teams to score in the Manchester derby and under th- uh, sorry under 2.5 goals in Newcastle versus West Brom. So just to recap, Wolves to be Aston Villa at home, Chelsea to be Everton away, both teams to score in the Manchester derby and under two and a half goals, Newcastle versus West Brom. And Stan, if anybody's got any sense whatsoever, what can they do with that? You can shove it up your racker. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, after a week off, it is back. Who am I? You're Lewis. Ah. And I'm Jim. And that's Stan. Wow. New soundbite, maybe. New soundbite. I don't know. Just (laughs) fucking around. Corvette, Corvette. (laughs) But (laughs) to start off this week, I am the hosting Who Am I? It's Jim versus Stan. David versus Goliath. Mum versus Dad. Let's have it. What? <laughs> the story to David versus Goliath it's not just like people against each other <laughs> you're David and Jim's Goliath Corvette Corvette means I win in the end I'll say that alright first up on who am I this week I was born on the 24th of March 1987 making me 33 years young Still playing as well. I'll give you that clue. Still playing. Benedict Halvedes. It's not. Great player. Well, not really, but go on. 33. Maybe he's a bit older. World Cup winner. Sorry, Bernard. What? This guy's a World Cup winner, or you're on about Halvedes? Halvedes. Halvedes. 33. Um, who's 33? Uh, Fucking hell. No idea. Pass. Can't think. Next. Pass? Not even had a stab in the dark, Stan? No. My brain's okay. not going anywhere. Okay. My head. Question number two of player number one. During my career, I've had spells in Brazil, Portugal, China, and England. Hulk. England? Uh, I, d- I didn't hear England. He's pushed there. He's, he's, I've got just, to accept your first went, answer. I just went straight in. He's tried to push the chaser. No he regrets. Brad, what were the con- do the honours. During my career, I've played in Brazil, Portugal, China, and England. 33? Oh, I reckon I could take a a better guess now. Well, you just shot your load too early, Jim. It's all right. It happens. 
It does. Up and Ramirez. Ramirez. Men. It is Ramirez. It is Ramirez. So cl- the other clues were during my time in England, I won the Premier League, the League Cup, FA Cup, Europa League and Champions League. I was part of the 2010 and 2014 Brazil World Cup squads. When signing for Chelsea, I took the shirt of footballing legend Andrei Shevchenko. I said that so sheepishly then because I thought it's not going to be him. It's going to be... Because he was the only guy I could think of who'd played in those countries. No, I think Oscar was my next guest, to be fair. It was one of them. Oscar, I also thought of David Luiz as well, but obviously he's never played in China. So I knew it was one of them. Dosses. To Rami. Oh! Got a beautiful goal against Barca in the Champions League semi final. He, he did. He did. He did. On the run. On the run. He won it all. He won it all in his time in England. So credit where credit's due, Ramirez. I was watching, uh, after I sorted his wiki out, I did have a look at a little highlight video on YouTube and I thought he was good. Six years of solid service. He was very underrated. He was. Good service to Chelsea football club. He carried that tradition as well that Kante's took on now of the weirdest players to have number seven at our club. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Player number one in the bank, four points for Stan for getting it right on question number two, or clue number two, should I say. Jim, come on, head in the game. Fuck up. Okay. (laughs) For some reason, I've not put the age after this one, but I was born on July the 1st, 1976. So he's he's 44, lads. He's old. Not still playing. (laughs) Put it in breaking records. 44. Janino Penambacano. It's not. Oh. I'm sorry, it's not. Scholar of the um, game. I'll go with Liam Rossini. Wow. There's a name I've not heard in a while. But no, Big it's up. not Liam Rossini. I wish I could say good player. But sorry, Liam. <laughs> um, good guy, though. Solid guy. Commentates on a lot of the uh, EFL games. Check it out. Yeah, yeah, Derby, man- Derby manager. Yeah, he's Derby coach, isn't he? Yeah. I seen him on EFL tonight the other day, the scrubber. He used to be on that championship show with Manny. And, and, he, and sometimes Danny Higginbottom. Bloody hell. I don't like him anymore, Jim. Scholars of the game. I don't want to talk about it. Is it Danny Higginbottom? <laughs> it's not. Okay. See how I just got an extra guess then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or is it? Uh, Hulk. Okay. Oh, shit. Clue number two, player number two. I've played in Holland, Spain, England, and Germany. Ooh. Holland, Spain, England, and Germany. They're like all the good leagues, so it must be good. Apart from Holland, yeah, yeah. Good one. Julio Baptista. <sighs> Jesus. Holland. Another throwback, but it's not him. What was it again? It was Holland, Spain, Germany, England. Oh, Jeremy. <clears throat> this is tough one. Robin. It's not. Good guess. I think this will be the one where the floodgates potentially open for a, a couple of oh, mine palaces. I think I know who it is, actually. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. I'll, I'll Let me guess right. first. <laughs> I don't, I, don't want the, I don't want this cheating. Okay, I'll, I'll, let this you, I'll, let, I'll let you guess first. Yes. All right. Clue number three, player number two. I retired at Malaga, but it was in England where I made my mark, scoring 95 goals in 150 games. That's decent, isn't it? It's a good strike rate. 
What, he scored that in England? In England. Fucking hell. 95 in how many? So I retired at Malaga, but it was in England where I made my mark, scoring 95 goals in 150 games. Not, not rude. It's rude. Rude yeah. by Mr. Roy. The last two clues were I played at Euro 2004-2006 World Cup, scoring 35 goals in 70 appearances for Holland. I was famously an unused substitute in the League Cup final at the Millennium Stadium versus Wigan. I left for Real Madrid not long after. Ruud van Nistelrooy. What do you think of that, Stam? Who did he play for in Germany? Schalke! Did he? Yes. Yeah, I have no idea Get who he played for or anything. But I kind of have a, a vague knowledge of who is around the 100 club. And that's a very good record. And I know van Nistelrooy had a very good goals to game record. Some strike rate that in ninety five in hundred and fifty. I was I was thinking of Van der Vaart, but then when you said that record, I thought no, it's not him. I thought it would be Malaga that gave it away because it was quite a niche. Um, he he yeah. finished it. Well, obviously, I say he finished there now, but it was when they had like Isco, De Michele's, like that that sort of team. Yeah, Van der I can't remember him. Yeah, yeah, they had a FIFA twelve card. It was shit. Right. <laughs> so yeah, well, what did what did you think of the two Who Am I's guys? It was Ramirez and Ruud van Nistelrooy. One apiece. Would be a great front two. Would be it a great would. dinner date, just them two. Would. Weirdly, they're two of my three dinner guests that I'd invite round. I think they'd both be good on um, on first dates. Yeah, if really you put them in a room Couples come down to me, I'm thinking. Oh. wonder what they'd make. I think oh. Rude, Rude might have some uh, forbidden fruit on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> Rude's on drinks and entertainment. Ramirez is on food. Right, <laughs> ladies and gents, it's that time. I know Stan's laughing, but it's, it's the time where we have to love you and leave you. It's the dreaded part where we have to give you our socials and you have to follow us and check us out. So... You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Just find us searching. That's the way the cookie grumbles or the handle at cookie podcast followed by the number one. Jim is so kindly enough to make us some clips on YouTube if you can't catch the whole thing. So be sure to check out that. And yes, we are now also on Anchor FM. We've left Acast, unfortunately, because they were bloody charging us. And now these Anchor boys are giving us for free. So we're on there if you don't have Apple Podcasts or Spotify. So episode number 88 in the bag lads the Celtic episode you could say and that's the way the cookie grumbles see you